Life Audio. One conversation that I hear quite frequently within the body of Christ is that there's this overall sense of disunity within the global church, or at least in the American church. And yet very few people want to do anything about that. It's really hard to get church leadership in most churches to reach out and to pursue unity with other parts of the body of Christ, even in their own towns. And so today we're going to look at that and what scripture says about that in the Psalms. I pray this episode blesses you. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and today we're actually going through two Psalms. We're going to go through Psalm 133 and Psalm 134. Both of them are just a couple verses, and so I thought we would tackle these two together. And just as a reminder, we're going through the Psalms day by day to really have a good understanding of the Psalms as they were the hymn book and prayer book of Jesus and the disciples. We're going through these, and if you would like to dive a little bit deeper, I also provide journaling prompts for each of these episodes. You can find those in the descriptions. And then on Mondays, if you go to shehears.org and sign up for our newsletter, which is completely free, you get those emailed to you. So right in your inbox, you can have the journaling prompts if you would like to use those to use them for devotional resources or just to journal along to help you process the information and apply it to your daily lives. If you would like the previous episodes journaling prompts, you can go to the resources section at shehears.org and you can find the guided Psalms journals there. So starting in verse one of Psalm 133, this is the NIV I'm reading today. And this is called a, a song of ascent, which if you remember the song of ascents were the Psalms that they would either sing or recite on their way to Jerusalem or in Jerusalem. The pilgrims that would be going to Jerusalem would be going for a religious festival. And these were the Psalms that they would sing either individually or as a community and ascent that ascension part means going up they're going up the hill to Jerusalem. So that's what that means. This one is one of David. Starting at verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And then moving on to Psalm 134, starting again in verse 1. 
Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. So Psalm 133 that we're starting with doesn't easily fit into a specific category or genre, but it is considered a wisdom psalm. It teaches us, the wisdom psalms often do, it teaches us by making this observation. It's celebrating unity and it's urging God's people to pursue unity when it's lacking. I think that's powerful because that's something that we, if truth be told, we really need to be challenged on within the body of Christ now, at least in my experience and where I'm from and what I've observed. And so the psalm is continuing with two similes that are expressing the type of joy that is experienced in a unified people group. And then the conclusion of the psalm pays attention to Mount Zion, which is a favorite topic of these songs of ascent because this is the setting either where they're at or where they're going. So we see a lot of Mount Zion in these ascent psalms. And of course, Mount Zion is where God is issuing his blessings. So in verse one, and it talks about living in unity. That opening verse is really marveling at this joy that is found in unity among God's people. And the Hebrew behind the phrase God's people is literally translated as brothers. So brothers here can refer to, of course, children of the same father. But in the broader sense, it refers to more distant relatives and even those who live together in these close-knit societies or members of the same tribe or country. Israel's history only had brief periods when that kind of unity was achieved. And even then it was, it was still imperfect. It wasn't a perfect scenario, but the absence of unity can teach a blessing of what it is to have unity. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church or a Christian group where you have at one point had unity and at another point had disunity. There's a radical difference between the two. And when there is chaos or strife or disunity within a body of believers, it, of course, produces chaos. It demands more energy. Unity brings peace and this corporate body that can really work together to create this common goal or accomplish a common goal, it's a lot less stressful. And so if everybody cooperates, then of course their efforts are multiplied. That's such a biblical principle. And unfortunately, more often than not, we don't see unity within the body of Christ. Now there are starting to be more examples of that, I think in the last two or three years, but in my work in ministry, just in general, that's rare. If you find that, hold on to it because it's really, really rare. And then, of course, these these couple psalms are only a couple verses long. In verses 2 and 3, we're seeing some more metaphor language for what unity is like. And it's talking about, of course, corporate unity. So the first image is of precious oil poured on the head of Aaron the high priest. And it says it flows down on his beard and even onto his garments. So the oil was widely used to moisten the skin, of course, in the dry climate, because Israel was a really dry climate, but it was also used to anoint priests and kings, and sometimes even occasionally the prophets, and they would anoint them to office. And so when they would do an anointing, it would be to a specific thing. If you think about anointing in terms of today, it would be like you know, the youth pastor is anointed to do the work of ministering to the youth. And the children's pastor is anointed to do the work of ministering to the children. In the same way, 
that and, and while we may not do it with oil, we just are saying that they're anointing, meaning they have a gifting or a calling on their life, they would anoint to a specific role. And so uh, when it's talking about precious oil, there's a couple different meanings there. It would represent God's spirit, this gift of God's spirit. And that would be what would be used to enable these different people to serve in these different various roles and exercise their responsibilities effectively. It's not that much different than what we would consider anointing, even though they had this physical manifestation of pouring oil over the head. And I think sometimes I think how neat would that be if we did that now? I know that you'd probably think I'm crazy if we started pouring oil over people's heads, but I maybe in some denominations they do that. I don't know. I think it's so special. If anything, what I've seen is people will just get anointed by just having like a little bit of oil placed on their head and a prayer over them. But I love this, this image that we see in the Old Testament. And then of course, the choice of Aaron is conveying this relief from discomfort because the Torah talks about the ordination of Aaron to his office and the special oil poured on his head. But one of the things that I think of all the time when Moses had his arms raised he got tired and his arms started to ache and it was Aaron that came alongside of him and held his arms up. And so the picture of that specific role that Aaron was called to support Moses in his leadership, I just love that picture because some of us are not called to full first, what, what some people call first chair leadership. Sometimes you're called to second chair leadership, but that's no, no less of a role and so important in order supporting the work of that first chair leader. And so the picture of flowing oil is showing, of course, abundance, but it's suggesting this unifying of different parts of the body. So when it's talking about Aaron, it's talking about head, beard, and clothing. But I think it's also talking about how Aaron is supportive of the other part of the body, which of course is Moses. And then the second image pictures this refreshing liquid. So in this case, it's talking about the dew and that's flowing from one thing to another. And so it would be physically possible to pour oil on Aaron's head and then have it flow over his beard and his clothing. But the situation that's presented here is painting an imaginary scenario. Mount Hermon is the towering mountain and only snow-capped peak in Israel and that marks the northern reaches of the nation. Zion is a hill in Jerusalem, and that's where the temple sits. So Hermon in the far north would have more dew than Zion. And that's an area where there's a lot less precipitation. And so the picture of dew in Hermon falling on dry, dusty Zion would be a very happy situation. Everybody would rejoice about that. And then, of course, our attention is brought to Zion. So it's not as majestic as Hermon is physically, but it is the spiritual center of the world. And so it's from this place that God bestows his blessing on his people. We're going to pause now to take a break. But when we come back, we'll pick up with Psalm 134. Stay tuned. Now, as we move on to Psalm 134, this is the final ascent song. It's the final one that addresses the priests and the Levites who are serving during the night in the sanctuary. It's very short, again, just a couple verses, and it's bound together by this repeated use of the word to bless. In the NIV, that's translated as praise, but in the original, it would have, it would have said to bless. 
So much like the previous Psalm, Psalm 133, it's concluding with this reference to Zion because that is where God sends his blessings from to his people. This Psalm would be considered a praise Psalm because it praises God while of course it's calling on the priests to also offer praise. And it's a liturgical song, meaning they would have used it in their sanctuary to praise God in the corporate sense. Verse 1 and 2 refers to the lifting up of hands. And it's interesting because if you read this in the NIV, it's the same verb, but when you hear it the first time, it's translated as praise, and the second time it's translated as bless. And that kind of is this picture of how the superior is going to bless the inferior, which, you know, God blesses those that are praising him. But specifically what it's saying here is it's talking about the servants of the Lord who are ministering by night in the house of the Lord. And so essentially what's happening here is the psalmist is exhorting these night shift workers at the tabernacle that are in the temple to praise God. And so lifting your hands, that was a common gesture of prayer in ancient Israel. I mean, I would say it's probably more a gesture of worship now, but in ancient Israel, it was how they prayed. So the priests and the Levites would be serving at all hours of the day and night. And the evening duties would be included in keeping that lampstand lit and the sacrifices burning, as well as the guarding of the gates. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about when I refer to those, you can t look at Exodus 27, Leviticus 6, 1 Chronicles 9. It's just referring to how they worshiped and treated the temple in the Old Testament. And then verse three, it talks about the Lord blessing you. So after he exhorts the priests and the Levites, and he talks about blessing them, it's praise in the NIV that we just read, but in the original text, it's bless. The psalmist now goes on to express these wishes that God, who remember is the creator of all things, when it says maker of heaven and earth, that's what it's referring to. He's asking that God will bless them from Zion, which again, as a reminder, that's the location of the temple. So blessings bring this intimate relationship with God and other people, as well as these material benefits. I think it is an illusion, maybe not directly, but it is an illusion alluding to what we talked about before with unity. The psalm is really calling on God's servants, in this case the priests, to praise or bless God in the sanctuary and then also ask God to bless them in return. And so the psalmist may be a fellow priest or even a non-priest, but that is serving or observing those that are serving in the temple. But this song could have been used by the congregation as well. And and they are all enthusiastically exhorting the priests and the Levites for the things that they're doing to continue this worship going. I love that because if you think about that in terms of what that means for us today, it, to me, it's an example of how church leadership needs encouragement. Speaking from somebody who is no longer in church leadership, but served in church leadership for a decade, you know, now I'm in full-time missions, but I served in, in church leadership for a decade. I think sometimes there's this sense that there is an expectation because this is God's calling on your life. And I don't know if many of us realize how burnt out many pastors and church leadership people are. They very rarely get a day off. And if it doesn't matter what day a week that they take the day off, somebody is upset with them for not being available when exactly the moment that they need them, especially if it's a larger church. 
if anything goes wrong, even in the slightest of the first to hear, hear about it. But very often when everything goes right, nobody says anything. It's just, you know, of course, church leadership, they are serving the Lord. But I think there is a great example here in how good it is for the congregation to edify and exhort those that are serving in full-time ministry. So whether it is missionaries or pastor, pastors or ministerial staff, um, I would just encourage you to make sure that you are at some point, you know, not that you have to do, go overboard or do this every every Sunday, but at some point make sure that you're encouraging them. A card or something like that goes a long way. The New Testament, of course, teaches that all of Christ's disciples are priests. And Peter talks about this and where Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's first Peter two, four and five. And so this Psalm is encouraging us as this holy priesthood to lift up, up our hands in prayer and in praise to God in the assembly or the community of other believers. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read our two passages today. And I'm going to read them as if they were one, even though we know that there's two different passages here. Psalm 133, starting at verse one, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Psalm 134. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. Father God, we lift our hands up to you in prayer and praise for the way that you work in our lives. Lord God, we thank you for the spiritual leaders in our lives. Lord, I just ask right now that even right now that you would bless the spiritual leader in our lives, whether it is those that we listen to or watch online or on TV, or it is our local church leadership or somebody else, a mentor or somebody that you've put in our lives. Lord God, I pray for a blessing over them. I pray for my friends that they would remember and you would remind them to exhort their leadership, especially in those times that they may be feeling run down. Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing that that precious oil that like it was poured out on Aaron's head. Lord, I pray for that fresh anointing for the leaders of everyone that's listening. Lord God, I pray that you would give them this fresh vision, this fresh sense of what you're calling them to do as they serve in their various capacities. Lord God, help us not to forget uh, to pray for them, to lift them up, to encourage them. God, we recognize how valuable that is. And we thank you for the example we see in scripture. Lord, I praise you in all things in Jesus name. Amen. I know you've been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. Listen, I know I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, which helps you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. 
I include lots of cultural and historical information, and it really makes these familiar passages of scripture just come alive. This is a great study to do on your own, to do with some girlfriends or even some teenage girls, and it will help you really gain the confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. You can find that on my resources page at shehears.org, where there are also some really good resources to help you in your spiritual growth. I pray that they are a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.